0: What did I just say? 21 gigawatts! What the hell is a gigawatt? Doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring, getting to know you chit chat.
1: Welcome to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by Renewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode number 105, coming at you right now. Follower Friday type of vibes today, boys and girls, as it is a follower Friday, and we're very excited. We've got a kind of a Gridnext recap-ish theme going on today. The keynote and MC for the Gridnext 2022 that we just had here in H-Town, none other than Mr. Peter Kelly Detweiler. The foremost authority in all things renewable energy when it comes to reporting on it being a voice expert author you name it nobody better in the space and I mean that with all sincerity too folks because there's nobody better in the renewable energy game when it comes to talking about what what's going on in this space than Mr. Peter Kelly Detweiler he has made it his life's work talking all things renewable energy and being a leading voice in this energy transition as it pertains to renewables and so we finally uh, were able to wrangle Mr. Kelly Detweiler down. We had a chance to chit-chat with him before Gridnext kicked off on Wednesday night. Shout out to Melissa Miller and her team over at CleanTechs for helping make this thing happen. So we were able to get about 20-30 minutes time of Mr. Peter Kelly Detweiler. Of course, we talked about his book, but we'll get to that all in just a second. Before we get into all of that with PKD, let's hear from our CEO and co-founder, Mr. Mike Neemer, telling you what it is we do here at e-Renewable. At eRenewable, we know going green is important to your business and your ESG rating. Besides offering PPAs and VPPAs, through our network of clean energy professionals, we can also offer renewable natural gas, or let us help you lower your carbon footprint with responsibly sourced gas from a leading global energy provider. Maybe you need green energy credits. Whether it's unbundled RECs or RSG certificates, your path to net zero and decarbonization is one step closer with eRenewable. For more assistance, please call us at one 866 renew one Thank you so much for that, Mr. Mike Niemer. Don't forget, you can find out more about the company over at eRenewable.com. Give us a follow on our LinkedIn page, eRenewable and the Green Insider Podcast. And if you do, when you give us a follow... Then we can highlight you on our Follower Friday series, just like we're doing Mr. PKD today. And, of course, uh, we've got lots to get to next week when it comes to the NEMA conference as well. And then just a slew of content that's going down right now, the University of Houston series. We've got the energy marketing conferences that we just wrapped up. We've still got part two to get out. So a lot going on here at The Green Insider and eRenewable. So stay tuned. Give us a follow. Stay up to date on the latest and greatest of all things that are going on with Our podcast. All right, let's get down to today's episode. Once again, PKD, wonderful job as always. I'll tell you what, my man went 90 minutes to kick off the grid next yesterday. Didn't miss a beat. No ums, no ahs. You guys know I'm a big fan of that. And of course, you know, I I um and ah myself from time to time. But 90 minutes, no stops. Straight knowledge, straight information, didn't miss a beat. It was incredible, and there's a reason why, like I say, he's one of the best in the biz, the best in the biz, when it comes to talking all things renewable energy. Today we're going to get into a little bit about his backstory, all right, because I was very curious as to how he got started. Also, too, we're going to talk about his book, The Energy Switch. If you don't have it, I recommend you do so today. Also, too, few names that he's interested in and or people that are moving the needle for him in the renewable space that not a lot of folks are talking about. And then, of course, as we like to do here on The Green Insider, get a little preview of what's to come for PKD in the rest of 2022. Without further ado, here is Peter Kelly Detweiler.
0: Hi, I'm Peter Kelly Detweiler. A lot of folks call me PKD because, well, I'm lazy, so I introduce myself (laughs) that way. And uh, I'm here at uh, Greentown Labs the day before the Clean Tech's Grid Next event here in Houston, where Houston has its chapter, and we're going to have a full day of energy conversation uh, with a lot of really interesting and talented professionals. I've had a chance to prep a lot of the sessions. We're going to talk about supply chain issues, uh, how do we staff differently, and then what are some of the challenges going forward with, with just the whole integration of renewables into the grid. So it's going to be a really fun event.
1: You know, from a journalistic perspective, and I've been a journalist, so I get it, you're out there, you try to become a subject matter subject matter expert, but you took the path of working in the corporate world and then getting into the reporting side of things. Tell me how that happened, and now looking back, since you've been doing this for a decade plus, how having that corporate experience and that corporate background has helped you understand this field and excel in it the way you have.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, I backed into this. I actually was working in Africa. My wife and I were married, had a difficult pregnancy, came home in 89, and I'd been interested in energy, and so I ended up getting a job for, of all things, the Cree of northern Quebec who were fighting a large hydro project, and my boss was a genius, a new power, but he didn't like to write that much, and so he would research everything and then have me write it all, and so I sat at the feet of the master and sort of learned about for about five years With him and a small team, then we won all of our cases against these hydro projects that many cases were built without the Aboriginal groups to say so. So that dried up. Well, I ended up going down to Chile for a couple of years, working on energy efficiency projects down there, learned Spanish while I was down there, and then came back to the States in 97, right when retail competition was starting. So if I have a claim to fame, there are two. One is first passport in the United States with a hyphenated last name for a male because of a marriage is me. My wife was the Kelly, I'm the Detweiler. Second one is the very first invoice ever rendered in competitive power markets. I rendered that invoice. I got the taxes wrong the first three times. The client was furious at me, but I finally delivered them an invoice with the right amounts on it. That was in the September of 97. So then moved forward with different companies, I ended up eventually getting bought by Constellation. Anyone who's been in this space knows that every three, every three years you're wearing a new golf shirt because of mergers and acquisitions. So I ended up heading up Constellation's Demand Response Group where we built virtual power plants, paying people not to use energy during periods of peak demand. And then Exelon bought us, and they had 20,000 megawatts of generation, lots of nuclear plants. They didn't really want a virtual power plant. And so they eventually ended up spinning out Sea Power, as we became known, and I had the good fortune of having a year's worth of severance, which I recommend heartily to anybody. If you can get paid to do nothing for a year, really? do nothing for at least the th- first three months. Okay. And so I started just by virtue of the fact that someone had interviewed me for a Forbes piece, I got a gig with Forbes.com. I showed him I could write, and then I started writing. And it paid me no more than 200 250 a month. I wrote 150 posts that first year. But, Fred, I got to talk to all the CEOs of the storage companies when they were just starting, a lot of the solar companies, across the whole ecosystem of this evolving energy ecosystem where you could see the pieces were eventually going to congeal and come together. And because I knew how to write okay, that wasn't the important thing when I got in these conversations. It's the fact that a lot of times they all knew I was a professional. And I had more than one conversation where they said, I got more out of this conversation then you probably did, because sometimes I'd be like, oh, if you're doing this, you need to talk to these two people over here because they're doing. And so it was all off the record until I would say, here's what I'm going to publish. Yeah. And then it would go you know, live. And so it was an amazing intelligence gathering platform.
1: So that year was basically laid the foundation Office. for the PKD yeah. we know today.
0: Super formative. And I didn't know it at the time. I mean, I would say my message for life... For many people, as you know, for my life, it's kind of like a breech birth. I've been going backwards, you know, backwards along the way through. But I'm smart enough to recognize sometimes that oh, this thing is working, you know.
1: When did you realize there might be something to this? A, I'm pretty good at it. B, I've got a pretty good background knowledge of this. People respect and trust me because they know my background. When did you know, okay, I can do something with this?
0: Uh, After I started doing a lot of panel moderation and then a lot of free workshops at different conferences. The feedback that I got was, oh, the market needs, marketplace of ideas, needs individuals who can range broadly across. Everybody's a specialist in the vertical segment, hydrogen, batteries, solar, wind, whatever. There are not that many people that understand if I look at this loom and I pull on the yellow yarn, how come the blue one moves? right? What are these interconnections across these different interstices? And so um, I began to realize that's critically important to be able to contextualize everything and then ultimately the story, right? We are in the middle of the largest transformation humanity has ever collectively tried to accomplish. And most people, if you stop them on the street, don't even understand any of the implications of what that means or why it's important not to let the planet warm up more than two degrees centigrade. And they see a Tesla going down the road and they say, oh, that's cool. But they don't understand the autonomy that's about to happen with that or what that vehicle represents, how it will connect to the grid, what eventually will emerge from these models as convergence happens all across various sectors, infused with this enormous fundament of intelligence, raw IT capabilities, sensors, and stuff all across the grid. And so I'm always trying to figure out what's going to be around the corner. What does that arc begin to look like? And think about where we're headed. And then I start to look for the things on the ground that say we're moving in this way or that way. And so then when I have my conversations, my workshops, whatever, I get really interesting strategic conversations with people. Oftentimes, I'll do a training, and someone will send me their strat deck ahead of time so that I integrate that into the thinking. That's when I realize, oh, there's a need for strategic thinking combined with the ability to communicate, combined with contextual knowledge around what's happening uh, with everything that touches the electron.
1: When you're talking to all these folks, again, you're getting off-the-record conversations, so you're getting some highbrow information there from these folks.
0: How did you see this playing out?
1: when you were starting out in 2012 2013 doing what you're doing now.
0: Well, you could see a lot of the better thinkers. It was already clear to them by certainly by the middle teens that solar and storage were going to be these amazing dance partners, that there's a complementary that needed to happen with wind also. In order to integrate more renewables, you have to have the storage piece. Yeah. And it was and then, you know, more recently the hydrogen thing pops up. And so the, the, the most interesting thinkers I run into out there are looking at, you know, sort of this, what if I take peanut butter and jelly and put them together? You know, how do I combine different things to create new value? There are the raw elements. Yeah. You know, Bill Nussie's book, Freeing Energy, has a really great chapter in there about how there's the initial inventors of the technologies, but the value add is often when you start to combine those things into new use cases and business models. And so it's the people that have that insight around what that new business model could be. Those are the ones that fascinate me the most. Like one example, in Australia, Sonnen has a a deal over there where in a new housing development, they put solar on the roof, batteries in the garage or the laundry room, and the customer pays up front X thousands of dollars, and then they pay a monthly subscription price. And then I asked one of the first adopters. I said, so what's your electricity bill look like? And he laughed and he goes, I've never seen it. Because someone pays the electricity bill, and they marshal the solar panels and the batteries and sell services back to the grid? To balance the grid, to balance up the frequency and other things. And so they've aggregated all these devices and fused that with intelligence. And they've completely disintermediated the utility so the customer doesn't know and doesn't care anymore. To me, that is the kind of brilliance when I see it, I'm, I just kind of think, wow.
1: A little bit about your book, The Energy Switch. A, when did you decide? Because I'm, I'm curious just from a couple of standpoints of the work that went into it and what was kind of the determining factor for you to say, all right, let me sit down and, and, and write a book. How long did it take you to do it and what was kind of the impetus for you doing it?
0: By around 2017, let's say, I had 250-plus articles for Forbes plus maybe you know a whole bunch for GE around turbines. So I felt like I understood the space. And I remember a few folks troublemakers that they were saying, Pete, when are you going to write the book? So I actually wrote about 150 pages just to organize it in my head and actually formally wrote the chapters. Then I pitched it to a couple of, of agents and nobody really liked it because it was too inside baseball. And then I had a consultant that she helped me. Then we, She found an agent and the first version I sent to her, she didn't like it at all. The energy switch is around this transformation. I mean, we're, we're talking between now and 2050, probably $100 trillion will be invested in changing our energy economy. The electricity piece of it's going to be fundamentally important. So what I did was I wrote 15 chapters, one on wind, one on solar, one on batteries, one on how the grid works, one on electric vehicles, one on digitization, and so on and so forth. Now, the one thing I did in that book that was smart, once I finally did get the contract to write it, I knew that there was a community of very generous and like-minded people on LinkedIn. And so I one day I wrote a, a post on LinkedIn, said, "I have the draft of this book." got the contract, here are the 15 chapters. Who wants to help me keep from getting it on my shoes?
1: I did throw my name in that hat, by the way, and you did respond to me, so.
0: (laughs) And and I ultimately had more than two dozen professionals. At one point I had, coming back at me, Fred, you know, a three red line version of the offshore wind chapter, you know? And then the challenge was, well, how do I take, how do I honor everybody's edits and how do I integrate them so they all make sense at the end, you know? So the whole book itself. What made you decide to do that, by the way? Oh, to write the whole book? No, 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 no. Oh. To,
1: to, you know, basically crowdfund or crowdsource oh. your, uh, your editing. That's uh, a brilliant idea. You
0: know, it was this thing where when I posted on LinkedIn that I got the contract, I usually, when I put my videos out there, I do a weekly five-minute video, I get maybe 500 to 1,000 views. This thing had 27,000 views within a day or two. So I thought, oh, there's something there, right? And, and then... I would talk a little bit sometimes on LinkedIn about chapters I was writing. The hard part was the technical part. The easy part was visiting the people and telling the story. absolutely. and uh, and it, and at some point, when I started getting these chapters back from people, I remember the hair on my arms sort of rising up, realizing this isn't my book anymore. This is our book. Yeah, I'm happily taking the royalties and so on. But, <laughs> but it's really this collective endeavor because people wanted me to tell sort of our story. Absolutely. And nobody else, I mean, Bill Nussie has done it now and a few other people have done bits and pieces of it. And he's done a really good job covering the solar part. But at that point, no one had yet quite tried to do something like that. Yeah. What did folks in the industry think of your book?
1: And what did the average Tom Dicker Hank think of the book?
0: Right. So I remember the day that the manuscript left my hands. Okay. And I remember waking up that night thinking, shoot. I mean, the word was actually a four-letter word. (laughs) Thinking, what if there's something in there I didn't catch? That's technically going to show me to be the fool that we all fear we are, right? That imposter syndrome thing. I'm happy to report that now nine months into this thing, there has not been that email pointing out the fatal flaw. Okay. And I'm really relieved by that. The other thing I'm really pleased with is a lot of professionals. Well, someone from GE who's in their PR group said, I sent them the chapter on the turbines and the wind. And he said, I gave this to my daughter and she liked it. And I was like, whoa, because she didn't have anything to do with power, you know. Now, there are not that many general readers of the book. Let's be honest. This is not, although it was in the Hudson, in the airport in Newark, of all things, someone sent me a picture. But it's not the sort of thing people are going to go to a tag seal and go, oh, I really want to read about the transformation of the power. That's just not going to happen. Not when I'm competing against what Kim Kardashian's doing out there, right? <laughs> so well, it's maybe a- you need to wear
1: an all-teal, uh, you know, jumpsuit. Maybe that's what you're doing. But
0: the trick is you don't have to be important. I mean, I like that old tagline. You don't have to be famous to the world. You just have to be well-known and have some influence among people that matter. And so if it's, you know, a couple thousand people that read the book and get something from it, That's awesome because I wrote the book for who I was 10 years ago when I was an expert in demand response and didn't know anything about all the adjacencies that matter that were going to impact all of our lives. And I wanted to short circuit that educational process for all the professionals in the space who want to know what's happening next door and why that might also impact the part of the business they're in. What did you learn from writing this book? Oh, I learned so many things um, because it's like... When we learn stuff by ad-hocing our way through life, experientially, we don't learn things the same way that we do when someone builds a curriculum for us, when they, where they're curating our experience. And so what I found was I knew a lot about a fair amount of different things, but I kept on encountering my frontiers of ignorance in places that I was surprised that, oh, I didn't know I didn't know that, or, oh, that's more important than I thought it was. And so the the thing about that is you, I am... I'm sometimes inordinately proud, but other times I also recognize (laughs) that I need to approach life with humility because the more you learn, the more you find out, oh, there's so much stuff I don't know that's still relevant in this space. And so I'm always, I actually try and find where are my frontiers of ignorance and try and push them out. And I often take my consulting assignments. If it's something I've already done, I'm not interested. If it's something that forces me into some discomfort... Maybe I know 20 or 30% of it and the other 70 I have to learn and append to what I know. That's cool for me. Those are my most fun consulting assignments because then I turn around and take that knowledge and use it for writing and training and keynotes and everything else.
1: There's so many different, and, and, and look, like I told you before we started, we could do a whole series on on PKD and what you're up to and just the different facets of, of, of renewable energy. What's the one aspect of, of, of energy right now that has you most intrigued or most excited or more, most perplexed?
0: Yeah, I think, um, if you, if you think about this in terms of a migration path, you can integrate, say 30% renewables into a grid just by changing the way you operate your existing assets, especially your gas fleet. Then if you infuse, a whole bunch of lithium-ion storage, you know, four-hour duration stuff, you can get up to, say, 60% renewables in the grid. And places like Kauai are showing that already. Then the question is, what do we do to decarbonize after that? Is it going to be longer-duration storage? Is it going to be hydrogen? How are electric vehicles going to fit in? So for me, the interesting challenge right now is I can see the first 70% of decarbonization. The last mile is the part that I'm looking in that eight ball right now, trying to see what that thing is that's coming up, you know, that that comes up through the haze in that eight ball and what that's going to look like and what's this constituency of elements that's going to help us. And it'll be regionally different, but that's what I'm sort of obsessed with right now, as well as the political conversation. It's frustrating to me to no end To understand that if we could agree on the problem, we could start to agree on some of this or even disagree on the solutions to get there. But the fact that a large majority of people in this country um, don't comprehend the challenge that climate change brings from an economic perspective, a health, military security perspective. And this is an enormous challenge for the well-being of humanity. And I have a certain level of obsession trying to figure out how can I— help to clarify how big this task is and why we need to move forward.
1: And that dovetails beautifully into a question I'm going to ask you now, because I was, you know, at this energy marketing conference yesterday, Deb Merrill from EDF North America talked about getting people to care. All right. I spent this morning talking to uh, two young grad students at the University of Houston, right. It's part of a series we're doing. Uh, And, and as I'm sure, you know, talking to youngsters after talking to folks our age is a, monumental difference but in a good way Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, because it it, it does encourage you for the future how do we get folks to care
0: i don't think you do it from fear you can push the the negative uh narrative all you want i think you have to show people possibility and and fortunately and here's the great thing i mean today Every time we open up that tool chest and look at the array of technologies and business models, we open up, it's shinier and more powerful than the last time we looked at it, right? Whether it's the wind turbines getting better or solar panels or batteries or maybe the possibility of hydrogen, certainly transportation and so on. We didn't have that toolkit 10 years ago, so there was much more need, or I should say, much more opportunity to despair back then. Now I think there's more room for hope. And at the end of the day, humanity needs to be motivated by a sense of possibility and abundance and hope. And so that's, I think, the critical piece where we pull people along. You can berate people and say, you're stupid for not understanding this. And there are days, right? We all feel that way. But ultimately, if we can say, this is going to be Better for all of us. And and on my best days, I know, and I feel it on LinkedIn, and I certainly felt it with the book, joy, Yeah. right? There is an abundance of joy out there and even, dare I say, love among many people in this space.
1: Give me a name or two of folks that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't heard, folks inside the industry, but who are some folks that are doing a tremendous job with the renewable push in the energy transition that aren't in your mind aren't getting talked about enough.
0: I love what Mary Powell's doing. She's now heading up Sunrun and came from Green Mountain Power because she thinks about things from that sense of abundance. And I had a conversation with her in the book and previously I'd interviewed her for Forbes and I just was really sort of blown away by how she thinks about things and brings that sense of possibility to the game. Um, I'm very impressed with with form energy and that whole team over there with this rust-based storage technology that could potentially give us 100 hours of storage, that could really be a game changer. A lot of people are starting to pay attention and look at that. Um, Bill Gross from Idea Labs, who has Heliogen, which is concentrating solar, trying to create thermal from the sun for industrial processes. He's a fascinating individual to talk to because his mind is just infused with possibility and ideas. What if we do this? What if we do that? He also has Energy Vault, that company that raises and lowers 35-ton bricks made out of specially infused uh, polymers that go into dirt and cement and fly ash and stuff. I love people who, who think about things in a way where I just stand back and go, how did that possibly enter your brain? And now you have been so captivated and you're so willing to push this concept that you'll risk your hours and your sweat and your and your wealth, indeed, to see these things through. Folks like that absolutely fascinate me, and they make me aware of how small I am in comparison. But I can do what I can do, which is tell the story.
1: What's on the horizon? Last part, two-part question. One, what's on the horizon? What, what's on PKD's radar for the rest of 2022? And I know we talked a little bit about what technology has you, you know, excited. What are you most encouraged by? In all the years you've been doing this, okay? And like I said, you, you've you got the unique perspective of you've done it on the corporate side. Now you're doing it from the storytelling side. And you're kind of, you know, a boot on the ground, so to speak. You're still, you know, in those boardrooms talking to folks from the entry level to the C-suite. What are you most encouraged by?
0: You know, I'm encouraged by the fact that I was listening to the radio driving in today. And the story was about oil and gas. But the commentator said, but... Now, last year, 10% of the energy supplied to the world was through renewables. And that's not something we would have heard five or 10 years ago. And so what I am encouraged by is the progress, and in fact, the accelerating rate of change. I think there's hope, and that I'm encouraged by. And I also think, I was encouraged by the Super Bowl where there were six ads about electric vehicles. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean the 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 thing that's so fascinating is the average cat still doesn't know what's going on because they have their own lives to care about. And yet, the firmament around them is already shifting. Wow. And because there's a lot of thinkers and industrial players and governments and others who are conscious of what's happening and are trying to move the constituent elements to drive that change. And I'm encouraged by the depth of the conversation that is occurring, even as I'm sometimes discouraged by the shallowness of other pieces of it. But that's humanity. It always has been. It always will be.
1: What's on uh, the rest of PKD's uh, to-do list and agenda for the rest of 2022?
0: You know, I've uh, got—I am blessed to have this year— visibility to actual work in ways I haven't had in the past and so much of it is trainings right now and education and so I'm working with one utility to educate all their um, customer focused reps that deal with large large customers and, and explain to them how all the pieces fit together. I just did a training the last two days with a communications company so that the whole team level sets their understanding. And, and so I've been really encouraged by and, and excited about the opportunity to educate more people. Now what I'm trying to figure out for me is I now have the ability to reach thousands of people, maybe ten, tens of thousands in a year. I want the ability to help influence hundreds of thousands of people i know that sounds like oh pinky in the brain take over the world for me it's about influence and changing i know and i i want to change people's mindset and get them to understand how big this thing is and how exciting it is and where we could go and why we have to go there and i feel like um My life's work is not yet complete because I haven't yet gained that level of influence.
1: For anybody that, you know, and chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you're already a fan of PKD, but if you're new to the PKD game, and shame on you, but if they are, where can they find out more about you? Where can, and oh, oh, I I know what I gotta ask. Any energy switch too? We're gonna see a recap? We're gonna see a a part two?
0: You know, uh, I've been thinking about that lately, and uh, if I were gonna do another one, I'd focus on the. Carbon piece of it. Okay. And, and spend a lot of time in hydrogen and what's happening there and deindustrialization of other sectors. And then also reflect back on the electricity piece just to push again into what the areas that I don't know and, and teach myself how stupid I am. Um, That's on the back burner um, yeah, right yeah. now. Yeah. Th- but right, you know, and if you want to reach out to me, LinkedIn is the best place. I love the LinkedIn forum. I do this weekly video. It has, this week's had, I think, eight stories three or four offshore wind, a couple of EV battery ones, a few others, different things. It's a five-minute video, and it covers energy stories from around the world. And so people tell me it's a really quick way to put your finger on the pulse of the wrist of the energy world, and you don't have to invest a lot of time in it because I do that work for folks. So
1: PKD, my man, thank you so
0: much for your time today. Uh, It was an absolute pleasure. I knew it would be.
1: Thank you so much for that, Mr. Peter Kelly Detweiler. You can catch all other Green Insider episodes over at... Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and our website, eRenewable.com. Give us a follow over there. You will be glad you did. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. Why? Because as we like to say, you promise you learn more about renewable energy and the energy transition from listening to the podcast than you knew about it before you stopped by. Once again, the UH series continues next week. Shout out to Lotana. Shout out to Neha. Dr. Ramanan, Lauren Steffi, the entire U of H team, and of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my girl Afriya Nasir, my co-host for this series. We have had absolutely phenomenal feedback so far, and those two young folks have been even more incredible. And we've got six more for you to enjoy as well, so definitely stay tuned for that. We've got the name of conference just around the way. We've got the grid next, recap that we're going to throw down next week, and then, of course, part two of our energy marketing conference is going to go down in the next week or so as well. So, shout out as always to the Green Insider team and Mike, Al, Roger, the E Renewable team, everybody for all that you do, guest, audience, without you, we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Green Insider Podcast powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier.